0: Which former Sooner would you want to put on this year's team? And did Oklahoma create some tailgating controversy? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners.
1: You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What is up, Sooner Nation, and thank you for joining us tonight on Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. They're the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College network. LinkedIn Jobs ha- helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at Soonerswire.com. And Josh is here as he is every day. You can hear him Monday through Friday on, from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. You can also follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And, hey, if you got some Iowa Hawkeyes curiosities, make sure you go check out Hawkeyes Wire as well. And even if you don't, go help our man out and just scroll through some stuff. It's always fun. But we're going to have a great show tonight. We've got a great guest joining us tonight. He, of Locked On Knicks fame, a, f- a guy who – Got some family ties, a little OU DNA. We got Gavin Shaw joining us from Locked On Knicks. What's up, Gavin?
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, John, I'm begging you to come on this podcast for what feels like a year. I'm so happy to finally be here. It's an honor. Uh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man, we're excited. So just first of all, just kind of tell us, like, what, what's your connection? How do, how do you have these family ties to OU? You're a Knicks guy. You're from New York. So what what happened there?
2: Yeah, so my uh, dad grew up in Manhattan and then went to high school at a place called Hewlett, which is on Long Island, and this was in the uh, like late 1960s. And it was a predominantly Jewish town, Long Island, New York. And there was weirdly a pipeline from there to Oklahoma. Like he ended up going with like five or six of his classmates actually to Oklahoma. I don't know why that existed, but it, it existed. And he was, he was a huge football fan his whole life. So uh, and he had he had a Steve Owens while he was there. So that was a kind of a good motivator so it was kind of like uh weirdly like since birth for me which I, I i went to arizona state and got a lot of flack because I, I openly said i would root for ou over asu in any not that it would be much of a game but in any context so that that was that was sort of my story with it
1: so what was that like growing up obviously out east but as someone that had strong oklahoma ties
2: yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, that was always what I was most passionate about. And I always tried to explain it to people, like as much as I love the NBA, love the NFL. Like there's nothing like college football where, especially for, I mean, you guys know it, like a school like Oklahoma, you lose one game, your season could, could be over that quickly, especially like when there were only two teams made the championship game. Oh, well, I'm oh there there was no playoff, like it was just the BCS. Every single year, so it was it was cool getting to grow up from afar. Uh, a highlight for me, even though it was a loss. The only game I've ever been to, like we bought tickets like a year out, because I just wanted to go was OU Notre Dame in 2012. Uh, I mean, great out again outside the result, like incredible game to go to. I think at the time it was the most attended game in OU history uh was painful watching uh, Landry Jones just just struggle uh against that that Notre Dame defense uh Tony Jefferson had like a scoop and score that got called back which which just sucked and then right as we got out uh to, to tie it back into the NBA everyone was looking at their phones they just found out James Harden got traded to the Rockets. so it's a <laughs> probably the single worst time to be in the state of Oklahoma but for uh, me like uh a once in a lifetime experience uh Watching from afar, I think all-time favorite game uh, that 2008 Texas Tech game, the jump around game. So I had a lot of, uh, even though I was uh, a few thousand miles away, a lot, a lot of times like screaming, cheering, crying, all, all that stuff in my living room. So it was, it was it was a cool experience.
0: So did you catch a lot of flack from you know your friends up in New York who are probably got Big Ten, big you know former Big East
2: ties. You know what? Just no one, no one cared that much about college football. People would like root against Oklahoma out of spite because I was so openly <laughs> passionate about it. But like, there just wasn't like a lot of interest. Um, and just because obviously there's no, at least in the New York area, there's not really like a team of interest.
1: That Notre Dame game that you were talking about, we're sneaking up now on the 10 year anniversary of of that game of that night. And actually, it's funny you bring that up because. We spent a decent amount of time on the radio side talking about that game today because the Manti Teo documentary just dropped on uh, Netflix, and so that got people thinking and talking about that night, that that game versus Notre Dame when they came down here to Gaylord Family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. And like you said, I mean, kind of even beyond the game itself, what stole the life of the party was the James Harden news that night. It's just wild that that has been – now uh one decade ago that's absolutely crazy what are some of your other favorite sooner memories that uh that you remember outside of obviously the jump around game maybe here in recent memory
2: Uh, i mean just uh baker senior year i mean i i'm sure you guys have probably talked on this podcast i think that team was was more than capable of winning a national championship and it's it's obviously like you wouldn't have kept Brent forever, but it's painful to think about a world where he could have still been the defensive coordinator on that team. And and the thing is, like, you didn't need a top 10 defense to win a championship that year. I mean, you look at the NFL talent on the offensive side and how all those guys are doing now between Baker, Orlando Brown, Mark Andrews, CeeDee Lamb, Marquise Brown, on and on and on and on. I mean, they were just absolutely loaded. And even with that defense being as poor as it was, I mean, they were like one two plays away from from winning that Georgia game and my uh my big take that year was that I think OU's defense was so bad Bama never would have went to Tua in a national championship game and OU would have had a great chance to beat uh future Sooners quarterback Jalen Hurts there yeah. so that was both uh my favorite year just because of how fun Baker was and also I'm, I'm still I'm still kind of heartbroken over it
0: yeah that'd be the great uh the great what if episode if there was ever such on the The Oklahoma Sooners, it's what if that's a a Marvel tie in, sorry for non Marvel fans, but uh, so Gavin, just quick takeaways, Brent Venables, new head coach, a big change in just kind of identity and culture of this team kind of what do you think of Brent Venables and how do you think the 2022 season is going to pan out?
2: Yeah, obviously I'm not on the ground like you guys, but I I read about this team like voraciously, probably at least as much as the Knicks, which I'm not sure if I should admit on air. But uh, (laughs) my my takeaway is that it was uh, the way um, uh, there's this writer for the Football Brainiacs named uh, Charlie, like a site I read a lot, and he refers to it as a necessary disaster. And I would. I would stick with that. I think it was a necessary disaster for Lincoln Riley to get out. You hear about all the guys like Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss who would have been out of this program one way or another. And, Again, not not inside the room, but it seems like the way strength and conditioning was going under Benny Wiley was was pretty untenable, and you could you could just see it. I mean, the teams that just had no business being on the field with OU from a physical perspective, like we're, we're giving them, like I mean, Tulane last year, like honestly, probably should have beaten Oklahoma, which which is crazy when you look at the two schools, and that that happened over and over and over again, and for as brilliant as Lincoln Riley is, and I, I think like, look, it's like there are people rightfully who are saying like, oh, OU made the playoffs four years in a row. They had this string of insane offensive talent. And it's like, you, you, we can't take for granted that that's going to continue under Brent Venerables, especially at the quarterback position. Like you, you literally can't top when Lincoln Riley did at the quarterback position, but the overall direction of the program, I honestly think it was kind of covered up by some of that quarterback play was on a downturn. And I just didn't see national championship caliber physicality and um, line play. And I think with Venerables, you have a chance, especially heading into the SEC, to get those things going. And, and with Jeff Levy, to retain that talent at the skill position spots, even if you don't have quite the level of innovation or quarterback play you did under Lincoln Riley. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying I'm, I'm extremely optimistic going forward. And I guess uh, we'll, we'll see in a few weeks if that's warranted or not.
1: So offensively, what are you excited about with this group? How do you see Dylan Gabriel fitting into things and just offensively You hit on it there there's I think nationally people feel that way that okay how is how is everything going to mesh together minus Lincoln Riley I don't think anybody locally feels that way I think you know for the most part everybody feels like okay well you got Jeff Levy and you got Dylan Gabriel and those two are reunited but kind of how do you see all of that playing out for Oklahoma in 2022.
2: Yeah, I think I'm sure similar to you guys. My only concern is really if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt because I don't, I don't trust the depth at that uh, quarterback position at all, but Beyond that, I, I'm I'm ex- I, I'm excited about the pace they're going to play with. I'm excited for I mean that Art Bryles style of offense that that tortured Oklahoma for years. I mean some of my most painful moments as a sports fan were watching uh, OU play uh, nine yards off uh, the the Denzel Mims of the world, the Josh Gordons of the world, and just getting torched over and over again. I'm excited to see OU do that to other teams. Um, to me, the the biggest difference, honestly, is is Jerry Schmidt being back in there as the strength and conditioning coach and combined with the simplified run scheme because I think at times you had a, a talented offensive line the last couple of years, but one that didn't play up to the standards, the twenty seventeen group and the twenty eighteen group set just because physically they they weren't quite as strong and you could tell that they were overthinking a lot of the time. And I think just making that a little simpler will allow the Lions' talent to shine through and let them perform like one of the best units in the country. You combine that with pace. You combine that with a quarterback who, who knows this offense extremely well, who who for this season in and of itself might honestly end up being a better option than Caleb Williams would have been as as sacrilegious as that sounds. So um, I don't know if they're far and away the number one offense in the country, like they were under Lincoln Riley, but I, I think it'd be a disappointment if you get a full season of health from Dylan Gabriel, if they're not a top five to 10 unit in the country.
0: Yeah, and we think that with the defensive improvements that they're going to be making under Brent Venables that they don't even have to necessarily be a top 10 or 5 offense to win the Big 12 and contend for a college football playoff berth. But, man, um, we, we got some great stuff to continue to talk about here with Gavin. We've got a great hypothetical we're going to discuss, as well as that tailgating issue that took Oklahoma Twitter by storm. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you all about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a sponsor here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. And the Lockdown Podcast Network. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. There's only 300 million people in the United States. So you're getting the US and international coverage over at LinkedIn Jobs. Add your job. Add the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go. And for a moment you think of calling for a ride, but now nah, you make that decision. You're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that really could happen? You lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride, drive sober, or get pulled over. So we mentioned, well, I should say John mentioned, hypotheticals, and I saw this floating around out there And I believe it was – I'll give proper credit where proper credit is due. is Kevin Flaherty of the 24-7 Sports Network, who's a national college basketball guy, but keeps his his, uh, pulse on football as well. And his question was pretty simple. If you could bring one player back to your favorite school all time that could help you out this season right here, right now, which player would it be? And so let's play that game, Gavin. For Oklahoma, who's the one player for this year's team that – Right off the top of your head, you think, okay, well, man, if if OU could add that would be really special for this season.
2: Oh, man. I, I went through about 20 names when you guys see this out there. Like, for, for name that came up was Adrian Peterson, just, like, my all-time favorite player, so dominant, playing behind this line. I mean, man, like, especially with, like – like, he didn't get to play – I mean, he played with a ton of talent, but not with, like, the current – like, just how spread the field is. Like, he could have been incredible. Uh, Baker would be the most fun – Obviously, uh, Jermaine Gresham, there's just no one on this team like that. And I think they could really use like either him or CeeDee Lamb, that kind of total separator at receiver. But if I'm going just for winning the championship this year, I think I have to go Gerald McCoy just because I don't know if they have that kind of difference maker on their D-line. I think Jalen Redman is the closest thing to that. But either McCoy or like Tommy Harris are just in a, in a totally different category. You could go Roy Williams too. A, a million different directions. I don't know, John, I'll throw that to you. Who, who do you think of when you, when you got that question?
0: I, I thought kind of the same way you did, but I'll go a different direction to just mix it up. I'm going to go with Trent Williams, like right now, the best play, one of the best players in the NFL. I mean, he was number two on Touchdown Wire's top 101 players in the NFL this year. Arguably, the best offensive lineman in football. You throw him out there at left or right tackle, and it creates a dominant side of your offensive line for whoever you have in the in the running game behind you. And so, I think that's that'd be a great option you mentioned Roy Williams too, like adding a guy that plays with the same physicality and edge that he plays with. I mean, I mean, he thrived under Brent Venables. Like he became Superman under Brent Venables. How much fun would it be to bring him back and play him alongside key Lawrence, those two guys with the physicality that they bring to the safety position. Ooh, that would be too much fun.
1: Yeah, that would be an absolute, absolute blast. I think Gavin, you hit on, Something in before, you know, I share the, uh, first of all, Adrian Peterson was the first name that came to mind for me as well. I think when you think of this question, it's, okay, well, who's the greatest sooner of all time? I'll take him and put him on this roster. And for me, that is Adrian Peterson. I mean, that's the guy, slam dunk pick. But if not him, I've got another name in mind. I think that would be fun for different reasons who, oh, by the way, is also incredibly talented. But, Gavin, what you were talking about, just position group that you need the most. I mean, is it, is it defensive line that you need to enhance?
2: Yeah. uh, Yeah, I think so. I just, I don't see the like difference maker on the D line. And to me, like, the damage that was done under Roy Manning in the secondary, you're going to need great D line play to, I I think it's going to be dramatically improved this year, but I think you're going to still need great D line play to kind of cover up for that until you can totally get in. Like I'm I'm pretty confident about safety and corner. Like I like Woody Washington. Um, I think it's a big question mark who that second guy is going to be, but I think you can cover up for that with a great pass for us. So whether it's Gerald McCoy or you could even argue for, I mean, with just with better coaching, like what a Ronnie Perkins or or Nick Benito could have done would have been really fun. But to me, like you, you just, you get that like best defensive tackle in the country type of guy like that that can change your whole defense
1: what about you john i know you shared trent williams do you have strong opinions on that because i to me i think gavin's right on the money i mean defensive tackle defensive line in general i think that's kind of where oklahoma's been lacking over the last decade plus or so but how do you feel is there one position group that jumps out for you
0: yeah i think the defensive line is probably the place where you you don't have as much certainty I mean, you kind of know what you've gotten to Sean White and David Aguibu and Danny Stutzman, at linebacker. Although Stutzman, you haven't seen as much. I think everybody's pretty confident that he's going to have a really you know, strong season, possibly a breakout year. You could throw in a Rocky Calvary or Teddy Lehman to that group and just really solidify it. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. Interior defensive line, you could Tommy Harris, Gerald McCoy. Hey, maybe even you know Lucius Selman. Why not? Leroy Selman, like bring back one of the Selmans. Or Tony Casillas. Uh, from back in the 80s, like arguably some of the best defensive linemen to ever play college football. I think any of those guys would definitely make this defensive line better.
1: Tommy Harris was a name that immediately jumped out to me. The the other guy that I was thinking of, I was thinking just for different reasons. And, And look, legend in Oklahoma football, right? The Boz, are you kidding me? Brian Bosworth to have him back? For for this season, first of all, spectacular linebacker, one of the greatest in Oklahoma history. We all know that. But are are you kidding me? Just for the quotables every week, for Locked On Sooners, to get Brian Bosworth back for a year? Sign me up, please.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think you're hitting on something there, Josh, that like this defense really has to get their swagger back. Like what they had in the early two thousands, because man, you talk about the 2017 team, like there was just like this look like that they knew they were being carried by the offense and that they, they knew like, like when it was Tony, Michelle and Nick were ripping off, 40 yard runs that whole game. Like, there was just, I mean, and they had some big plays in that game, but there's just no faith that like anything good was going to happen. Like, I think that's where, like, either Roy Williams or a Boz, like, you would love to get a guy in there like that who's just going to like kill someone every time they hit him. And that can, I think that can like create confidence in a whole defense, just having one player like that.
1: Yeah, and
0: before we get to uh, who would your dad say? I, I want to know that. Like, who would be oh, your dad's? That's pick? a
2: good. Oh man, I got it. He loved uh, Ryan Broyles. He's a big, big Ryan Broyles fan. Big Demarco Murray fan, uh, nice. as as I was. I have a feeling he might he might ultimately say a Trent Williams. That's a man. I, I should have asked him. That's a great question. one, right. one of those guys. I think he. If if you are going back, he he would have thrown in like a, a Steve Owens or or a Selman brother too.
0: Yeah, right on. Well, we, we still got the controversy to touch on from the tailgating. We'll do that after I talk to you all about BetOnline. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. If you want to get in on, on NCAA Futures, that UTEP line is looking pretty juicy. I think Oklahoma right now is minus 31 against UTEP on September 3rd. To me, I feel like they cover that one pretty easily. So head on over to Online today or use your mobile device and learn more about the action happening. BetOnline is where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Make sure you go make Locked On Knicks your second listen every single day. Check out Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf over on the Locked On Knicks podcast. I've gotten to hear some of their show because we, you know, sometimes record right after them. And man, they do a great job. I'm not even a Knicks fan, but I'm always in, intrigued and entertained by what they had to offer. So go check that out. So, Josh, man, you, you threw this in the DM to me earlier today, and I kind of clicked on the, the tweet from Oklahoma football and then Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma Twitter page. And Oklahoma fans were in a bit of an uproar over this new partnership that the university has created where they're selling tailgating sites, I guess is the best way to describe that uh, slash experiences along Lindsay Avenue. Take us through some of that, Josh, give us a little more details on it.
1: So, and I'll confess to being not the greatest historian when it comes down to just what tailgating has always looked like at Oklahoma, but you know, you used to be able to, I think, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, and this is totally incorrect, but I think it used to be free on Lindsay Street to uh, to tailgate over there. And anyways, then it got taken away for a couple of years, and anyways, now it's back, and it got announced by Oklahoma Athletics. Campus uh, announced expanded reserve tailgating on Lindsay Street and the surrounding areas beginning this fall, where fans can reserve their Walk of Champions or their BudLawn tailgate Today, John. And here's what just a little bit of the pricing looks like. This is the hang up that a lot of people have is that I don't know what the pricing used to be like or if it used to be free. I think that it was, but again, don't totally quote me on that. At any rate, it ain't free anymore. And for up to 10 guests, the cost of that would be $475 up to all the way up to 40 guests for your reserve space of $2,100. I believe those are for the season prices so there were a lot of Oklahoma fans that let's just say were not particularly pleased that the the tailgating looks like this and again I I don't claim to be an expert with the entirety of what the SEC tailgating picture for instance looks like but uh, I know that there were a lot of Oklahoma fans that were not particularly happy about the way that this played out which I mean to me it's if you're Oklahoma don't don't you if you can i mean like i i I know there's gonna be some upset fans at this but don't you try and make money when you can try and make money on a tailgating opportunity john
0: that's kind of one thing that i that i started to think of this is a a university that's asking for buy-in not just in a mental psychological commitment standpoint but also hey show show us the money and they've they've done so like The they set records in the amount of you know pledges and donations made to the university just in the last you know eight months, um, in the or in the fiscal year. And so maybe Oklahoma is just like, Hey, we want this tailgate experience, there's a demand for it in this great capitalist nation that we live in. Supply and demand, if if there's a demand for it, you know, somebody's going to charge for it. And I get, I do get where Oklahoma fans are coming from, though, that that's right outside the stadium, like right on the doorstep. How great would it be to be able to pack that in with kind of not your kind of typical, I don't know, the the fan that can afford the 50-yard line seats that's going to sit through the game and not really cheer a whole lot, not really be engaged. Uh, a lot of what Dallas Cowboys fans get criticized for, just kind of the, you know, soaking it in but not really participating in the environment. Yeah,
1: corporate fans, I think yeah. is a good way to say it.
0: But yes, and if you're out there and you would love to be a corporate sponsor for Locked On Sooners, you can hit me up at john9williams at gmail.com. But I I do get where some of them are coming from, that it it might potentially lessen the experience of attending an Oklahoma game on a Saturday. And we see what the SEC brings to the table. And we see what a lot of, maybe even like the Big Ten brings to the table as far as tailgating experiences on game day. And Oklahoma is going to have a good one because it's Oklahoma, it's Norman. It's a really great college town. But I do see the concern about this potentially cheapening that a little bit when you have these kind of, for lack of a better term, like these box suite tailgating experiences, you know, you're going to walk by and someone's going to have their big flat screen and their, you know, their shrimp tartar or shrimp cocktail. And, you know, their private bar that they're going to have set up there for cocktails. And you're like, is that really college football? Isn't it smokers and, you know, ice chests and, you know, cabanas and, you know, football's being thrown around. How much of that will be taken away from that? Gavin, you have any thoughts on this too?
2: Yeah, I feel like almost like speaking out of turn on this is someone who doesn't live there and somebody who doesn't get to participate in tailgating. But I, I'm sure you guys probably talked about in the show, but there was that, that big article about – how um, Lincoln Riley didn't feel like he had the resources to win at OU. And, and in his defense, it seems like Brent Venerables, as, as part of his demands for leaving Clemson and coming to Oklahoma, got a lot of stuff that Lincoln Riley's been asking for for years in terms of having a support staff that looks more like an Alabama or Georgia than like a TCU or Kansas State and that stuff I mean the holdup obviously with that stuff is money and you got to make that back somehow if you're Joe Castiglione so to me uh, maybe maybe it's a false correlation but I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a direct line there that the, the program that Brent Venerables wants to run uh, requires more money and you the, the fans are the way to get that and look if he puts a product out in the field that's worthy of that no one's gonna complain so that, that's kind of what it comes down to it's a good point I mean winning solves a lot of problems
1: and for fans that might be upset about this situation right now hey even if the, even if that's corporate Lindsay now if that leads to oklahoma winning uh championships i think generally speaking probably everybody's gonna be okay with that john
0: yeah i concur with that sentiment 100 you know it's and it's always one of those things that like on the surface it sounds you know not great you know for the kind of the typical the average ou fan you know me you um but at the same time, you got to, you got to make money. Like that's what it comes down to in college football. If you want to have the very best facilities, the very best equipment, the very best coaches, it's going to take money to do that. And if this is a way that, you know, Oklahoma can continue to fill its coffers by all means go to that. One last thing we want to touch on while we've got Gavin here from locked on Knicks our uh, our NBA expert. Now here for the locked on Sooners podcast, we got to ask him about a, a few former Sooners in the NBA and just their 2022 2023 outlook so gavin let's start with trey young what does it look like for the atlanta hawks this year are they going to be a playoff contender are they going to be a team that could potentially make to the nba
2: finals i think they have a a definite ceiling i look at them as somewhere between like Best, best, best case scenario, maybe the fifth best team in the East. Worst case scenario, like a a play-in team fighting for a playoff spot. I I, I like the DeJounte Murray acquisition. Like if you were going to build a guard to play next to Trey Young, who isn't a perennial all-star, it would basically be DeJounte Murray. I mean, arguably the best guard defender right there with Drew Holiday. In the entire NBA, I mean, can cover up, portrays weaknesses in that sense, and also like a hyper aggressive offensive player. We saw him uh, clowning Paolo Banquero in in uh, some of like the uh, summer uh, summer game circuits. So I, I think he gives them some attitude. He gives them some defensive toughness. But man, you, you watch that team against Miami. And the Heat were just able to short-circuit a lot of what Trey Young does. And you saw a guy who's one of the best shooters on planet Earth, like hesitating and passing up open threes. And look, to some extent, that's the that's rite of passage for NBA superstars. Trey had his great run the year before where they reached the Eastern Conference Finals, but that that Heat defense really figured them out. And, and And it's kind of on him to regroup and come back from that, a better player. To me, the biggest thing with his game that I've, I've always talked about is, and, and this even goes back to his time at OU, where it felt like so many of his teammates were just, resentful of him it's his ability to give up the ball earlier in the shot clock to move off the ball more like a Steph Curry and unlike a Steph Curry he didn't get that experience playing off guard in college he's dominated the basketball his whole life so that's a little tougher for him but it's something he's gonna have to figure out if he wants to reach new heights
1: can can a team win big with a Trey Young or his defensive limitations do you worry about
2: that I don't think they can win big with Trey Young as as their best player in terms of winning a championship. Like the season they made, the Eastern Conference Finals, I think probably was the ceiling. Like, I mean, even, even that year, like Trey got hurt in that series if he had stayed healthy and with the Bucks injuries, like who, who knows? Maybe there's a world where they reach the finals, but I think there's just a definite cap, just because unlike like people always talked about Steph Curry as a defensive liability on those Warriors teams. One, Golden State just had the, the best defensive personnel ever around him. Two, Steph has two inches, like maybe like 20, 30 pounds on Trey and just, just athleticism. Like Trey is, Trey is arguably just the worst defensive player in the NBA. And that's, that's so hard in the playoffs when you can aggressively target one guy over and over again if you have the offensive personnel to do so. And the farther you go in the playoffs, the more inevitable it becomes that you'll encounter an offense like that. So I think I think there's a ceiling with him as your best player you, you throw him on on a super team with, with two guys about as good as him who are big Rangy Wing Defenders or you get a golden State type scenario where you just have three all defensive guys next to him yeah he can be an engine of of the best offense in basketball I mean he, he has been already
1: Sorry, buddy Hill.
0: I lost my yeah I lost my mute button I was gonna say the same thing buddy Hill. yeah talk to us about buddy Hill. what's his 2022 2023 outlook
1: like yeah, yeah so- where's the Where's he at in his career in your mind? That's what I'm curious about. I mean, it feels like he's really kind of at this crossroads. And yeah. what do you see going on with him now and kind of going forward?
2: No, Josh, I think that's a fantastic way to frame it. I mean, he's he's very similar to Trey in that he he's arguably one of the worst defensive players in the NBA. Obviously, just, just being four or five inches taller has a little bit more um, of like a, a ceiling than Trey does to just merely be bad. Versus disastrous, but Sacramento like almost immediately regretted that big contract they gave him. Like There, there was all this talk of how are they going to find a way to get off him. And it, it turns out it took, even though Sabonis was great for them, it turned out it, they had to give up Tyrese Halliburton, who, for my money, one of the best young point guards in the NBA, to get off of Heald. And now he's caught in this situation where, I mean, they, they draft a, a shooting guard in and out of Arizona this year. They uh, took uh, Chris Duarte a year ago, another guy who's like a 2-3. So he's at a very... Crowded position on on a team that doesn't necessarily have high aspirations, but also like given that Halliburton is is savvy, but not a great defender at the point guard spot, you really need someone who's a two way guy at, at the two and heal is not that to me, his best case scenario is, is sort of a JJ Redick type of career where he catches on with a really good team and plays a little bit more of a niche role because he's i I think people don't necessarily recognize this all the time but you look at his combination of volume and accuracy like outside of steph curry and clay thompson is relatively unprecedented in nba history he is one of the 10 to 12 best shooters on planet earth. So he finds the right team similar to Trey that can cover up his defensive limitations, give him the right role. Even if that's coming off the bench, I think he could have a very memorable playoff run, which he's been robbed of throughout his career playing in Sacramento now in Indiana. But I don't, I don't think his future is with the Pacers ultimately.
0: So what about Austin Reeves had a pretty solid rookie year. I mean, he didn't play a ton early, but down the stretch, got a lot more minutes. What, What did you think of his game last year?
2: it's fascinating because he's almost the opposite of uh trey and uh buddy where i I don't think there were a lot of questions about what he did as as a defensive as a defensive guy like like teams went at him pretty relentlessly because he's like a a scrawny like white rookie out of oklahoma who who was undrafted um but he held his own pretty well like the dude is just i mean you guys you guys know better than i do just super duper tough um the thing with him is i i and I felt this way to owe you too. I kept waiting for a shot to come around because when he came in from Wichita state, he was, you were like, Oh, you're getting just one of the best shooters in the country. And he became a star at Oklahoma. He exceeded those expectations, but it wasn't because he was this elite, elite three point It's because every other part of his game was so good. So I, I playing off of LeBron, he needs to be a 37% three point shooter. I think at a minimum to have a, a very long NBA career but if he's that, given that like he can't attack a close that he has a mid-range game, he is very tough around the rim. He is solid defensively. Like he like similar to Buddy, but in a different way, I think he could be one of those guys that's always like a sixth, seventh, eighth guy on, on a title team um, if, if everything goes perfect for him.
1: OK, so before we get you out of here, this is shifting away from the NBA and segueing yeah. right back into college football to say adios. What's your prediction? I mean, come on, what's happening for Oklahoma in this regular season?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say ten and two, maybe. That almost feels a little bit conservative. I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but you look at the schedule. There's not a team that should beat Oklahoma this year. Like you get Baylor and Oklahoma State at home. I don't think either of those teams are going to be as good as they were last year. Texas, obviously, they have the talent every year, but that that quarterback position is looking, despite the addition of Quinn Ewers, very iffy. Uh, just two two pretty significant season-ending injuries for them. And then, I don't know, I'm not worried about Nebraska. I'm a TCU, I think, offensively could be fantastic. I, I don't know about their defense after losing Gary Patterson. Like, I just don't see a team that should beat Oklahoma. So it almost feels aggressive predicting two losses, but I've just, I've been burned so much in the past with high expectations for Oklahoma teams. And then, for whatever reason, like, 2017 aside, never really hitting them so i'm giving a conservative two losses like you put a gun to my head i'd say one loss is probably like the most realistic scenario for this team and then i just i don't think they have the guns yet to compete in 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 a playoff game against abama or ohio state i think just because of who venerables is and like what he brings from clemson and being in so many of those games i don't see them getting blown out playing a, a team like that but if they get there, I, I just don't think they have the weapons yet. I think they're a couple years away. Um, I, I'm sure you guys saw like that ESPN poll today that had the top 100 players in the country. And OU only had two guys in their Mims was like in the 60s, and um, Dylan Gabriel was in the in the 70s. You look at NFL draft rankings, like OU is maybe one guy who could go in the first round. Like th- there's a lot of really really good players in this team. They just need to add some of those transcended talents that that led the Lincoln Riley teams to those great heights.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a there's a lot of people in the OU fan base that kind of feel similarly. You know, yeah. two losses wouldn't surprise a lot of people. I think a lot of people are thinking one loss, it just seems to be kind of the trend. And and I think like you, Most people look at the schedule and they're like, okay, Oklahoma could run the table and they could go undefeated through the regular season in the Big 12 championship game. So you're not alone kind of in your your assessment of the Oklahoma Sooners heading into the 2022 season. Gavin, man, it's been a blast having you on the show tonight. It's been so much fun. We're going to have to have you back during the season, uh, especially uh, for some of our our weekly picks. You'll help us pick the Big 12 games, stuff like that. But y'all make sure you go check out Locked On Knicks. For all your Knicks fans, go listen to Gavin and his partner, Alex Wolf over on that show. Gavin, tell them where to find you on Twitter.
2: Yeah, you can check us out at Locked On Knicks, My personal account, I need to get it back. It got hacked a year ago, but uh, oh. check us out there. Um, yeah, I'm also, I uh, do uh, play-by-play broadcasting, got some high school football. I actually have a Bergen Catholic out of New Jersey who has a Texas commit inside your Mitchell. So if you if we need, if we need an enemy report at any point, I can uh, provide that. You can check that out over at Flow Sports. But uh, guys, th- thanks so much. I mean, this is the most fun I've had doing a podcast in a long time. So I really, really appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Yeah, man. Well, we'll definitely bring you back on during the season. Hey, we might have to have your dad uh, Zoom on oh, as well. He, he would love uh, it. <laughs> get, get some more perspective. But uh yeah. thanks so much for taking the time to, to be with us here on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Make sure you all subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. Also, subscribe to the show over on YouTube. We're like 70 subscribers away from 2,500. That's our goal for the start of the 2022 college football season. So, right on the doorstep help us get there hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop but for gavin for josh i'm john we'll catch you next time boomer sooner